0: You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Throughout the season of Lent, if you have been in worship with us, you will recall we have been embarking upon a sermon series that we have been calling Why the Cross Matters. So each week we have asked ourselves, what does it mean to live under the cross, quite literally as we are today, to live both the most mundane aspects of our lives to the most serious and the light of Christ's death upon a cross. The lens through which we have been exploring these questions are the seven last words that Jesus speaks from the cross, which are pieced together from different gospels. We began with Jesus' words of forgiveness, And then Jesus' words of salvation. And then Jesus' words that encourage us to bind ourselves together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Words that bring us together closer in relationship with one another. But as we move through this already dark event, things grow darker. Last week we asked ourselves, what does it mean when Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What does it mean to feel as if you have been abandoned by God himself? And then this week, we hear another word of distress, a word of thirst, to be more exact. So friends, let us continue listening now for a word from God as we hear this fifth word Jesus speaks from the cross, which comes from the 19th chapter of John's gospel, verses 28 and 29. John writes, after this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. Other translations render that simply, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and they held it up to Jesus' mouth. And when Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Good and gracious, God, help us to trust. Help us to trust this day in your goodness and your grace. For these words are so hard to hear, oh God. And yet we know that in them there is a word, a word that you are offering to us even now. And so, God, we pray that through your spirit, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered together here in your sight would be pleasing and glorifying to you. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I want to show you a picture This is a picture that was taken on the day before Thanksgiving, 2021. It's a picture of the courthouse steps in Glynn County, Georgia. It might be a little bit hard to tell what's happening, but there in that cordon-off area, you'll see members of the law enforcement community stage there huddled in small groups listening to the voice of a judge inside the courthouse coming through their phones. Just beyond the frame of this picture, there's maybe 200, 300 other people, including myself, that are also gathered in small little groups lending their ears to someone else's cell phone listening for what words would come. What we were listening to was the moment that the verdict was being announced in the murder trial of Ahmaud Arbery. Now this is a name that many of us might remember. Ahmaud Arbery was a young black man who went on a run on February 26, 2020 in Glen County where I lived for the last eight and a half years prior to being called to this place. He was running through a neighborhood, and three white men and two pickup trucks chased him and killed him. This led to a a national outcry, but what wasn't reported quite as much was the outcry locally as well. As soon as the facts of what happened began to emerge, there was truly an outcry locally, and it was one that bridged all of the traditional borders we set up for ourselves. White, black, your most hardcore conservatives and your most bleeding heart liberals, whether you lived on the islands of Glen County or on the mainland, there was a unified cry among that community for justice, for something to happen, because this surely cannot happen in our community. All of that began about two years before this precise moment when this Photo was taken. And in those two years, there had been groups within our community, both civic leaders and clergy leaders who had marched and held press conferences. And the clergy, specifically, for about two and a half months from the very first day jury selection began in this trial, had held vigil on the front lawn of that courthouse. We rotated through two hour assignments where we would simply be present for anyone who was there that needed to to talk or to pray or to just know that someone cared. And it all led up to this moment. And what's amazing to me about this picture looking back it was, is that it was not until this exact moment that I realized just how thirsty we all were how parched every single citizen of Glen County had been for upwards of two years, parched for justice, parched for peace. There was a very real concern that, based on the words that came out of the microphones on those little cell phones, the peace that had held to that point might fall apart completely. Right? Every person... And that community at this moment was thirsty for something, just something to be hopeful about. Right at this moment, it felt like we were either about to taste a drop of living water or we were all about to march another mile into that valley of dry bones. It's interesting to me that John's gospel is the only one that tells the story of Jesus' passion to include these words I am thirsty or I thirst. Right? And it's almost certain that that Jesus is physically thirsty at this point. And the crucifixion, because crucifixion is just an awful way to go. I mean, it breaks not only the spirit, but it literally breaks the body. It fully exhausts all of a human's physical capabilities and thereby exasperates all of those other senses, including the sense of thirst. That little detail in there about the sour wine and the vinegar, some people have suggested that. That was probably offered to Jesus as almost like a medicinal thing. It was an act of mercy almost. To me, I read that and I think to myself, I think perhaps that was actually offered more as a way to inflict and deepen the torture that Jesus must have been feeling at that moment in the passion narrative. Sour wine and vinegar, what's that gonna do? It's gonna wake you up. It's just gonna deepen All of those senses you're already living through. Now, as a sidebar, I thought this was really interesting. When I was reading and preparing for today, uh, someone noted that uh, this whole detail about the hyssop branch, did y'all catch that, that that's what the sour wine and the vinegar is, is put on? Can you remember another point in the Bible where a hyssop branch shows up? Way back in the story of Exodus, right before the Hebrew people are about to get out of Egypt, there's one final thing that happens. God comes down and he's going to clear a path. This is another sermon for another day, so I'm not going to go into all the details, but there's one detail in that sermon that says that God instructs the Hebrew people, to take hyssop branches and to dip them in the blood of goat or lamb, sacrificial animals, and to mark their doors, and God will what? Pass over. That's where we get Passover from. Well, here, way forward in the story, we see a hyssop branch show up again. And this time, it is God coming to save the lives, not just of the Israelite people, but of all the world. It's almost certain that Jesus is experiencing a physical thirst at this point in the story. But John also seems to be pointing to a deeper kind of thirst. The young adult abide Sunday school class for I don't even know how many months at this point has been studying John's gospel from the very first chapter all the way to now. As it happens, we didn't plan it this way, but today we're actually reading this part of the story in John's gospel. It just kind of timed itself out that way. But one of the things we talked about over and over in that Sunday school class is that the gospel of John is unique and that it doesn't just tell a Story, John always has a deeper meaning to it. John is always pointing to some deeper metaphor or symbol. He's incredibly careful about the words he chooses. And so when John, John being the only one, remember, when John has Jesus saying, I thirst, I think he's pointing to something deeper here as well. Those words almost hang there, don't they? I thirst. What do you thirst for, Jesus? Think back to some of the other references in the New Testament to thirst. I think back to earlier in John's gospel, John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Right? Jesus and his friends, they're on their way back to Galilee, and they decide to take a shortcut through enemy territory in Samaria. And Jesus meets this woman right at the height of the day, at noontime, out by a well by herself, drawing water. And Jesus asks her for a cup of water. And she says, why would you ask me for a cup of water? That goes against all custom. What kind of Jewish rabbi are you? And Jesus says to her, if you knew who was asking, not only would you give me a cup of water, but you would ask me for a cup of water because the water that I would give you is living water. And she says, tell me more about this living water. And he says, well, the water you're drawing from that well, you'll get thirsty again after drinking it, but living water. Living water, he says, you will never what? Thirst again. I think about the Beatitudes. There at the beginning of Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of Matthew, he he says to the crowds there on the side of the mountain, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. And then a little later on in Matthew's Gospel, at the very end, Jesus is speaking in parables about the kingdom to come. And he explains to them that the son of man, he'll separate people on his left and right and to the ones on his right, he'll say among other things, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. And the disciples say, what are you talking about? We didn't do any of those things. And somewhat cryptically, Jesus says, when you did it to the least of these, You did it to me also. Over and over, throughout the scriptures, Jesus makes reference. Jesus points to this kind of thirst that only God, only God, can possibly quench. I think back to that moment on that Wednesday before Thanksgiving right after the verdict was announced, there was joy and elation and relief. There were tears, lots of tears. I've never seen journalists taking interviews while they wept themselves. Right, there was a sense of gratitude that this particular piece of this story was over. Right? There were hugs as we shared our, our joint relief that somehow, way, it seems that goodness and love and justice had prevailed. Our thirst was, was momentarily quenched. But what, what continues to amaze me is I remember driving home I remember driving home from the courthouse, through Brunswick, across the causeway. And the further I got from Brunswick and the closer I got to home, the more I began to realize that I still felt thirsty. right, I still felt thirsty because the reality was tomorrow there were three families that were gonna sit down at their table And a loved one wasn't going to be there. The family of Ahmaud Arbery, the family of Travis and Gregory McMichael, and the family of Roddy Bryan. I realized I still felt thirsty because the reality was probably in the time it had taken me to get from the courthouse back home, more violence had occurred somewhere in that community. I found myself still feeling thirsty because it dawned on me that, you know, how tragic is it that this happened at all, that this could have happened at all in my community of all places. And I felt thirsty because it dawned on me that, you you know, it's going to happen again. And it has, and it will. There are verses at the end of Revelation Revelation, of course, being that great letter that provides to us a psychedelic at times but beautiful overall image for what the final kingdom, God's kingdom, will one day look like. And there's this verse in it where it says, describing that kingdom, that it will be a place where people will hunger no more where people will thirst no more. The sun will not, write, will not strike them, nor any scorching hurt, heat, Revelation says. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God, God in that place and on that day will wipe away every tear, from their eyes. Friends, the cross, the cross lays bare the brokenness of our world, doesn't it? We know that brokenness in our world, but also in our community, in our communities, we know that brokenness in our own lives. We know what it is to feel that thirst, that Only God can quench. I thirst, Jesus says from the cross. Friends, may we thirst for that day, that final day, when the shepherd will lead us to the water of new life when the shepherd will offer us a sip from the very cup of salvation itself. That's what Jesus thirsts for, isn't it? May each of us thirst for that day too. Will you join me in prayer? Good and gracious God, Oh, you are good and you are gracious, oh God, and we are ever reminded of that as we face the brokenness of our lives and the brokenness of our world. We face it, oh God, and we feel deep down within that thirst, that thirst, that nothing, not money, nor love, nor success, nor attention, that nothing can fully satisfy but you. And so God we pray that you would offer us that living water. We pray O oh God that you would offer us that spring of new life. We pray God that on this day and in this season you might bring the very cup of salvation to our lips that we might taste and see once again that you are good. We pray this all in the name of your Son, the crucified and risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.